All right, welcome to part two of the Post Pelotonia podcast. I won't bore you with a long intro. If you've made it this far, you probably came from part one and enjoyed it. So uh, without further ado, here's part two of the Post Pelotonia podcast. Enjoy. Uh, how far did you ride, Claire? What was your, because um, as we said, you, you raised funds, your commitment for fundraising changed based on how many miles you wanted to ride. The longer you wanted to ride, the more fundraising you had to do. So Claire, how far did you ride and how did you train for this? <laughs> so I, ne- I don't cycle. I'm, I'm like, I, that's just not my thing. I would rather, I pretty much can safely say I would rather run 35 miles prior to this, then ride the 35 miles. Um, so I did the 35 mile route, which they added. Um, I found out so that like families, you know, spouses could do a Saturday and the other spouse could do a Sunday because the 35 mile route was on, started on a Sunday. And I, um, so I did 35 miles, hilly first half, Wendy lied and said it was flat and it was not, it was not flat. Like Charlie said, it was mountains. Um, I did not train. I did not train really much at all. I planned to, but uh, I just did a couple of trainer rides. But I don't think I've actually been on a bike on a road in probably four years. So that my training ride was the ride itself. You didn't just talk about training. You talked about training a lot. I didn't. You talked I fixed about your it. bike. I did. did you actually train after I fixed it. A little. A little. I probably did, did you too. actually shift the gears and then part it up? Probably not. Because <laughs> I was going up the, ma- the hills and I was like, how do you shift this thing? <laughs> you figure it out eventually. At some point, I was Jeremy, I was like, what's this little grippy thing? He said, that's the brake. <laughs> you might need that. <laughs> like, All right, Tim, how far did you ride and how did you train? Um, so, like I said earlier, um, I didn't. I've never really ridden, uh, I've ridden mountain bikes before, but not more than, say, five miles or six miles. Um, so, yeah, uh, I bought a bike, uh, I don't know, a couple of months before the event, and me and Charlie rode a couple of times, and so that was, other than small, like I said, you know, five, six mile bike rides outside, I had ridden, I guess that was... My fourth bike ride was uh, 55 miles outside. <laughs> on that, on that. <laughs> Wait, you did 55 in training? No, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was oh, my longest. Say, that was my so, first long well, ride. You didn't answer the question. So you, you on at Peloton, you did 135 right, total. Yeah, yeah I did 135, which was 55, 55 and 80. 80. And uh, yeah. So, I mean, I did do a couple of training rides where I, I rode for about an hour um, each time. So, I did that a few times um, just to kind of fill the seat out. Which we were worried about because even on your half-hour ride, yeah. your hands and your butt were all going Yeah, straight. everything was going numb. So, I did uh, end up getting a better seat, and that helped a ton. Um, so, I didn't go numb at all on the ride, which was amazing. Um, my hands a little bit, but that seat made all the difference. So, uh, seats are important. Yeah. All right, Charlie. Um, you can I just did, echo what Tim said. I, yeah, I can, I can just say ditto. Um, I did 135 miles as well, which I will confess at first I was going to do 200, and I'm glad I kind of backed down to 135. Um, 
how did I train for it? I might as well say I didn't. I did the two training rides with Tim, and that was pretty much it. Maybe a five or six miler here with my wife. But uh, we like to think that if you had signed up for two hundred, you would have trained at least one more at training least ride. One more training ride, yeah. And then I would have been on par with everybody else that did two hundred. Oh yeah, so, definitely. Um, yeah. I learned, I, I today got that same type seat that Tim's talking about, um, which would imply that I must have liked cycling, even though it was the two longest rides I've ever done in my life, because I went and bought a new seat today, but I do have <laughs> another ride in two weeks. That's good. So, Monty, all right, what did, you said you were training a little bit beforehand, but then once you signed up for the event, you stopped training? Yeah. Yeah, so I signed up for the 200, and I was... At the time, I was really fit. I was, I was uh, like, yeah, I'm ready for this. <laughs> Crush it. Crush it. And then uh, my son started soccer. And started <laughs> stop riding as much. And, and then I got on Strava like the week before, and I compared our four four week week at weekly average. And I think I had one mile per week, an hour and a half. One ride, one ride, one ride. Yeah, I'm sorry, one ride per week, an hour and a half for the last four weeks, which is is ideal for riding 200 miles. (laughs) (laughs) But Jeremy, I realized I had triple volume that Jeremy had. He had one ride per week. 30 minutes. <laughs> so I was like, I'm training too much. Uh, I'm overtraining. I'm overtraining. So I'm overtraining. Last week I got a indoor ride. Tampered. But you training. have a lot of cycling experience. Yeah, that's that was the only thing that I was, I was worried, especially on day one when my legs were cramping, going up the hills. I was thinking I was not going to survive day two. Um, Fortunately, it it uh, was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So it was fun. It's not fun unless you're miserable. <laughs> I love exactly. Fun. Yeah. We, uh, oh, that's always. So true. I this is Jeremy now, and I did 200 also. Um, and so what, our split was 102 the first day and 98 the second. Um, I have ridden 100 miles three times prior to this. Once was last year at Pelotonia, and the other two were, one was in Ironman training, and the other was an actual Ironman race. Um, so I'm not, and I don't, I, I'm not, I just don't love cycling that much. So I trained by running. Wendy picks on me a lot about this. She put it in her blog. I can't wait to see my friend Jeremy, who trains for a 200-mile ride by running. <laughs> <laughs> But it worked out pretty well, except for about the last five or ten miles of day one when uh, my being aerobically strong didn't help anymore because my legs could no longer get me up the hills. And I had some pretty pretty amazing cramps and had to walk at least two hills. One, the same hill that got me last year got me this year. So I don't recommend running for bike, for long (laughs) bike rides. Well, I, the thing you should do is ride for long bike rides. Train by riding for long bike rides. But if you, you don't want, do that, then run. Then where where yeah. do you want your suffering at? You want to do the training? 
Or you wanted it in right. the actual event. Yeah, I wanted it in the actual event. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did. All right, we're, just, we're, we're getting long here. Let's go fast through here. All right, so what was your lowest point, Claire? Did you have a low I, point? I literally, I cannot think of it, a low point of the entire the entire weekend. I we're talking about on the ride, your lowest point on the ride. Oh, I didn't have a low point on the ride. All right, Tim, did you have a low point on the ride? I did have one. Um, just one? I think I saw it. Well, it was kind of a multitude of several things. Um, I don't remember where it was, like 20 miles in maybe, 30. I had a blowout, and Charlie didn't hear me yelling, hey, I've got a flat. This is second day, wasn't it? This is second day. Yeah, this is second day. Second day. Sure you didn't hear him? I paused. I didn't hear him. So I was in the <laughs> blistering sun. It really wasn't that hot up there. But when you're just standing in the sun, people are going by you, and you're trying to hurry up and get back on the road. Um, I was changing my flat. Uh, one of the vans came to help, uh, you know, see if I needed help. And uh, he stayed behind me as I was getting back on my bike to make sure it went, and it blew again. Um, so I had, you know, the two flats. Um, the other bike, the other wheel blew, didn't it? No, it was the same oh. the same wheel that I just put on. So apparently I pinched the tube or whatever. But so anyway, the van took me to the next stop, which is about two miles down the road, and uh, they gave me a new new tire, which was very nice, and uh, changed out both main tubes and got me back going. But during that time, it was going to take about thirty minutes. So Charlie decided that he was going to just head on down the road. He did ask. Me I first. did ask. He did ask. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't want you, you know, waiting another 30 minutes for me. But that next 20 miles uh, was probably the most uh, lonely that I've ever felt. You were talking about some guy was there the whole thing by himself. Yeah. Um, but, man, so I was wore out 30, 40 miles in, whatever that was. And I have another 40 to go, and I could hardly move. I couldn't. My hands were hurting. They were cramping. Um, and I just knew that I've got 40 miles to go and I, I really, it's all I can do just to stay upright. And actually, so the next, I don't know when that next stop was 20 miles down the road, I actually pulled over, laid my bike down. There was a shade tree and I just laid in somebody's yard. Apparently, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And I put my feet up on the tree. And just laid there for a few minutes. And uh, had a few people come by. They were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, but that, uh, so got back on my bike. And this is kind of a high point for me is I actually got to the next rest stop. And all three of these guys were there uh, waiting on me. So uh, that was pretty cool. That's what I thought you would t- I thought it was right around there. Cause <laughs> yeah. We, uh. Because I remember we were about, Monty and I were at that aid station, and we were about ready to roll out. And it, it was getting hot at that point, because I had sat in the cooling tent, and Monty got to the aid station before I did. I, I was sagging back a little bit. I was getting tired. But then we just about rolled out, because I was so myopic. I was thinking only about, I just got to keep going. I got to get this done. I'm tired. And then at the last second, we both were kind of like, wait, Tim should be here any minute. Let's... Let's let Tim come in because the day before I had finished on my own because I dropped back from these guys then I dropped a chain and then I cramped a lot so I got I was in about nine or ten minutes after them and that was hard that was it was hard being there by yourself 
And not that I'm, not that you guys shouldn't have left me, but I mean, you shouldn't have left me. But but I knew with him, so I thought, I bet Tim would like, I'd like to see Tim, and I bet he'd like to see us too, so that's good. So Charlie, what was your low point? Um, my low point was similar to Tim. So Tim and I, of course, we, we were doing the same route, so we had ridden the whole first day together, and we were, you know, up until... And I, I promise, I did not hear you, Tim, call out to me. Um, <laughs> and I did not have headphones in. Um, but when when I noticed, I pulled up, I looked, checked my phone immediately and saw a message. You know, Tim said he had two flats. And I'm like, well, I'll wait here on it. Plus, the little rest stop had a band, so I was fine. Um, and then Tim gets to there, to the rest stop where we are. And I think it was, I think it was mile 32 for us. It was, I remember it was the second one, but uh, I, it's the same question I ask, you know, everybody, if, even if I'm running, if I'm running with somebody and they get tired, I, I do ask, you know, you want me to wait for you? People, what you need to remember, <laughs> if you tell me no, I only need to hear it one time because I will leave you if you tell me no. No, don't wait for me, you know, okay, bye. I don't even say bye, just like gone. Especially at that so, point, you just want to... I just want to, yeah, I just want to go. But what made it to echo Tim's sentiment, we had been riding together the whole time. So even though I was ready to get back out on the road, it didn't hit me. I was leaving a crowd of people that, you know, chit-chatted or whatever. And I'm a, I'm a chatty runner. I'm a chatty cyclist as well. I love to just chit-chat. It takes my mind off whatever I'm doing. So I don't think about a distance or running or cycling. But to get on the road, and like Tim said, you're by yourself. Yeah, you have some cyclists passing, but, you know, not everybody's chit-chatty. You know, you might say, hey, how you doing? You know, fine. <laughs> Goes on by you. They don't wait for you either. So it was a lot different day one. Right, it was. And I had a second low point. I mean, it was a, it was good to get back riding with Tim at the next rest stop, but uh, my second lowest point was the last rest stop, which would have been mile 62 for Tim and I. Um, by that time, I was sick of water. I was sick of Gatorade. I was trying to be comical. I guess I was the only one being comical at the time. So I go up to the the little table there with the the volunteers are that had, they were very kind. All the volunteers were great, but they were happy and they were like, we have peanut butter sandwiches, we have cookies, we have gummy bears, we have water, we have Gatorade over here. And I said, well, I have two questions. I said, and maybe a third one. They're like, what? I'm like, you got any beer? No. That was a low point. So, they answered the first question wrong. The second question, I'm like, do you that have, any, do you have any bourbon? No. Okay, this is low point number two. It's just going downhill now. And they were like, but we have gummy bears. So, I asked, are they drunk gummy bears? I had to explain to these people what drunk gummy bears were. Um, but they didn't have those either, so... That was a very low point for me, being tired of water and Gatorade, and they had no 
Alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'll, I'll, I, we know Doug. I'll run yeah. it by him and say, you yeah. know, maybe some, maybe some of those nuclear cherries or something. Place that people were had, uh, handing out Paps Blue Ribbon. I oh yeah. Saw, I think that was day one, maybe. All right, so Monty, what was your low point other than? I, I didn't have a low point. I've had low points in t- training and, and racing. What about when Jeremy passed you up the hill? Yeah, what about that? <laughs> that probably was your little boy. <laughs> and I don't blame you. Well, okay. Was that Reynolds Hill? Jeremy did pass me up the hill. Oh, and my Strava segment indicates that I was two seconds yeah, faster than you. Yeah, it didn't count because I, I didn't know where. I thought you were walking. By yeah. Me. <laughs> if I had known that, I would have. Uh, you passed me, but that was short-lived. That's like getting beat in the 400 at the Olympics and say, well, it doesn't count because I thought I was beating no. you by long ways. <laughs> Strava and, and actually being out there is different anyway. So I got to the top of that hill first. But okay. I started after you. Strava I says. I don't know where you started. Strava says I. I'm won. not worried about start. This can this can go. On that was forever. obviously a low point for Monty. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. By the way, he passed me, and I was like, "What just happened?" And there was another little uh, incline at the end, and I um I didn't let it happen, so I got around him. But I still <laughs> had a faster segment. All right. So anyway, I'm the host. I get the last word. <laughs> Alright, so oh, uh, oh, oh, mine's not done. Sorry, I, I hijacked his yeah. low point. Okay. But no, it, it it was not I didn't have any low points. I uh I had a very painful point at, at that exact hill because got I try to attack the hill hard at the bottom to, to carry momentum and realize I didn't have enough low enough gearing to to uh, to take that hill on. And then at one point I was going Strava said I was going, I think, a mile, 1.5 miles an hour, almost tipping over. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not ever recall in my entire life getting off the bike and, and walking up the hill. And then and then I realized, Jeremy's behind me. There might be a chance that he makes it to the top of this hill. <laughs> so I had, to keep, I had to keep going. My tongue was out of my mouth more than it had ever had. I, I didn't even know that that was a thing that I did, but my tongue was like... <laughs> um, I'm glad that was not recorded because it was uh, it was a little weird. Um, it was pretty painful. Um, that was it. No low points, but painful moments. So I don't think... I oddly didn't have any low points, any real low points. I got progressively more tired both days but I never was despairing or really suffering all that badly surprisingly probably my lowest point was having to was when I the same hill at mile 99.7 that I got stuck on had to, I cramped every every muscle from waist down last year cramped my toes were cramped and I had to walk up that hill after getting off my bike and standing on the road for three or four minutes well, Nelson, my friend, was at the top of the hill yelling at me, what are you doing? And I'm like, I can't move anything. So I thought this year, at the very least, I could tackle that hill. And for about the last two miles before we got to that hill, I could remember it in my mind's eye what it looked like. In the last two miles before we get there, I thought every turn, this is it. No, this isn't it. This one's it. No, that's not it. And then I finally see it. And I turn the corner 
And immediately I thought, did I blow both tires? Because I can, this is really a steep hill. Like I thought, <laughs> it felt like pedaling through quicksand. And I really looked down, like, are my tires flat? Why, I can't get up this hill. And I made it even, I didn't even get half as far as I made it last year before I had to get off. I tried to preempt the cramps by getting off the bike first and not having to deal with it. But other than that, I really didn't have any low, low points, surprisingly. I just didn't, I felt pretty good the whole time. For the record, this is Monty Young. <laughs> I was cramping also, but I didn't give up, and I, I, I made it all the way up the hill. So. <laughs> all right, we'll let you have that one. All right, we got to wrap this up, but let's go really fast. What's your most? What is or are your most memorable moment or moments, Claire? Okay, so um, my most memorable memorable moment was at the first day. The riders all ended at Kenyon College, which was about a little over an hour from Columbus. And so I had driven out there. I was volunteering. Um, so I got done. I got to watch some of the guys come in. Charlie and Tim had already come in, but I got to watch, like, Bobby and Todd and Monty. And we were waiting on Jeremy. There, While I was waiting on Jeremy, there was a woman because his <laughs> chain had fallen. Or Monty was, so. no, I didn't wait on Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> you got that. I, I stopped to help an old lady across right, the road. Right, right. So there's this woman standing there, and she had on the sticker that said, Hey, Cancer, you picked the wrong broad. And I was like, i got to take a picture of that just to add to like the album. So I went up to her, and I was like, Can I take a picture of your, of your sticker? And she said yes. Of course, just like always happened, is she started sharing like her cancer story. And she said she was a um, tongue cancer survivor. I, I don't remember exactly how long, but... Um, this woman was probably in her 70s, I would say. She was a tongue cancer survivor. And then she started talking about all the other people that she had met giving out these stickers. And she started talking about um, a woman that she had met that day who was writing for her 21-year-old son who had uh, died from cancer. And that was my little moment for sure, just, just to think about that. So me and this woman are sitting there talking about this. And she and I are both, like, crying and hugging. And then Jeremy, luckily, it turned into a high moment because Jeremy came in. Jeremy finally (laughs) came across. He finally got that little old lady across the room. Yeah, right. (laughs) She had to get up the hill. (laughs) So the woman actually took a picture of me and Jeremy. But um, so it it ended up okay. But it was just kind of a really somber moment. Um, That was that was one of my most memorable moments. Tim, what was your most memorable moment? Man, there were so many there. It's hard to to pick. I mean, just. Going to an event that huge, um, there's so many things that, you know, as far as positive moments, uh, funny moments, <laughs> was, a lot of those. was when I got done and we went to dinner that night and I was trying to eat a steak. <laughs> and I didn't think about, you know, in training, you build up muscles for riding a bike for that long. I didn't think about my hands being you know, needing that much strength to hold yourself up or whatever, but my hands would not work. I was trying to hold my knife and my fork to cut my steak, and I was just clumsily. I had to just hold it, like, upside down like a like a little kid with a crayon and just try to balance it in one hand and cut with the other, and that was that was funny. I don't know. That's, that's just, I remember that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> All right, Charlie, memorable moment. Well, I would say uh, to um, one of the most, memorable moments that I keep thinking of and it, it went back to opening ceremonies um, and there were I mean I had several memorable moments but opening ceremonies when one of the doctors that were mentioned 
helping people with the uh, life-saving cancer research um, was going through treatment himself. And I was point. like, this is, this is more about, this is more than just about somebody standing beside me or whatever. These are the people that work here that are giving treatment as well. Um, that stuck out. And I would say the second most memorable moment that I was able to provide to my teammates. <laughs> so we go to this restaurant at Kenyon College. And everybody just kind of thought it was funny when the waitress come up and she's like, would y'all like to know what you, you know, want to eat? And I'm like, yeah, I want some tater tots. <laughs> and she just kind of looked at me like, what do you want with your tater tots? Or let me interject. Here. Yeah, let, let Jeremy tell this because he thinks. Because he... <laughs> the waitress came up and we were all kind of looking at the menus and Charlie was in the far corner. There were six of us in the booth, three on each side, and Charlie's in the far back corner. And the waitress says, uh, would you all like to order? She didn't say y'all, because they yeah. don't say y'all. Are you all ready to order? Would you like to order? Something like that. And from back deep in the corner, Charlie <laughs> says, yeah, tater tots. <laughs> this is somebody from Ohio taking an order from And then she, from Mississippi. she was so confused. She's like, do you want, is that an appetizer? Would you like a meal with that? Maybe a magazine, something? That was the most. Uh, you want a small order or a large order? Well, I was thinking, you know, if you go to another restaurant, like a fast food restaurant here in Mississippi, you're not going to get many tater tots in a small or a large order. So I tell her a large order, and unbeknownst to me, when she brings it out, she brings out a serving platter. It was like two inches, three inches high of tater tots. <laughs> and I'm like, I asked the question, like I always do, does anybody want any of these? Well, nobody did. So I had the whole platter of tater tots. And now we have Charlie Tater Tot Williams. All right, Monty, what was your <laughs> memorable moment other than Charlie Tater Tots? I can't really think of one. I think I just have one. Can't really think of a memorable long. moment. No, I just. <laughs> The whole ride. Uh, yeah, the drive. You drove the whole. You way. drove yeah, the whole drive. Way. I'll probably forget about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we did ask. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> just. I'm not. You know, the, the little crickets that were chirping. I mean, that's not the most memorable, but it just. Obviously, I don't know, that it was is. kind of a neat. You know, that's the kind of stuff you hear at night here in Mississippi. But when you're riding through the cornfields. Uh, during the day, they're just constantly chirping. It's like, it's, it's daytime. What are y'all doing? I, I'm, that, we talked about that during the ride because I heard that too. And what was interesting to me is it sounded like my home state of Iowa because it's all the it's all the bugs in the cornfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it smells like it and it looks like it, it a little bit. And Iowa. the sounds are different. And I, I mentioned to you while we were riding, when I first moved to Mississippi in 2003, the like outside sounds yeah. different. There's different bugs, there's mm-hmm. different birds, there's different stuff. And so it was neat. I, that was pretty. And there's a lot. There's a lot of cornfields. You would definitely know that you're not Mississippi outside of just seeing. I mean, Mississippi has corn, but not like that. But you, it was just a, a lot of. That was the most corn I'd ever seen. Yeah. yeah. A lot of corn. So I think, uh, well, I've, like I said, I grew up in Iowa. That we got that's about ten times more corn than that, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. So my most memorable moment, ah, we've already covered some of them. I, I've said this before. One of my favorite moments of the whole trip was I was getting really a whole trip, the whole ride. I was getting really tired, and I was riding behind Monty, which was not unusual because I did a lot of drafting. Monty's not a big, big guy, so drafting is not super effective, but I, I did the most I could. So I drafted a lot, 
And uh, we went through a little town called Centerburg, and we were on the way out of town, and um, we heard a big clunking noise. It sounded like Monty was clipping in or something, and I was, we both kind of, Monty pulled up and slowed down, and he had broken a spoke on his wheel for the second second spoke of the ride. But um, we kind of stood in the sun for a second, and you know that's a pretty major mechanical issue, because if you can't fix it, you're really not that safe to ride. And so we were standing in the sun, and Monty's first thought, he looked across the street, and he's like, let's go get under that shade tree. <laughs> and it was just perfect, because it was a big, grassy, soft, Midwestern grass, big lawn, and a big shade tree with tons of shade underneath. So we rolled over and just sat down, and I almost took a little nap. I laid back in the grass. There's no biting ants there, <laughs> yeah. which was such a that. relief. And we ended up getting, we weren't there very long. Monty couldn't get his mechanical fixed, but we, he, so he rode the bike with a broken spoke four and a half miles to the next aid station and still couldn't get it fixed. And then ended up riding the remaining 15, 16 miles with a broken spoke. But so kudos to you for risking your life to yeah. finish. Monty <laughs> and I had a plan where we had about, if, if, if we couldn't ride the bike, we were going to, one of us was going to run and the other was going to, was going to cycle. So one would carry a bike and run and the other was, we were going to finish no matter what. Monty's <laughs> like, I'm finishing this. Remember they offered to, to take me to the aid station. I was like, no, I'm going to finish this. And he tried to, you're like, are you sure? Well, I didn't want to. I, yeah. I didn't want to short the, the rock because it was, what, four miles? Well, yeah, but I wouldn't have held it. I wouldn't have held that against you because that's like endangering your life. Which I didn't for yeah, a tire. Which you ended up doing. For a front tire. Yeah, so yeah. you did it anyway. But the most, but just, I had, I was kind of worn out at that time and laying under that shade tree, just relaxing. Like, it should have been the most stressful time of the ride because I was like, we got major mechanical problems, but I was totally relaxed and having fun and it just felt like everything was going to work out. on me. Oh. I didn't want to be alone. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, does anybody have anything else you want to throw in that we didn't cover? Yeah, I, I want to throw in one more and issue a challenge to uh, anybody listening or watching. Um, I know some of us have mentioned may not get to do this ride next year, but uh, I know me for once, I'm going to go out and go out on a limb. Um, I'm planning on next year. I'm going back if I have to go back by myself, um, because it touched me that much. Because mm -hmm. it was, it was probably I would put it up there the biggest, one of the biggest accomplishments that I've ever done. There aren't many events that are that um, big and powerful. The whole event, you know, like you said, mm -hmm. you do St. Jude Marathon, which is awesome. Um, you know, you run through the campus of the hospital and everything. Right. This is such a unique and it's a unique um, organization, Pelotonia is. The whole bike ride is unique in the scope of it. There's 10 different routes you can take mm -hmm. for distances. It's just a really unique and it's a unique environment and it's just a one of a kind experience. And, it, and just, all, all of y'all are getting, I mean, y'all feel this way about it, and I'm the only one that's considered. Halfway to cycles. Yeah, yeah. It's we did agree that Tim and Charlie's relative <laughs> accomplishment was the most impressive of the whole trip because yeah. they. Well, I forgot Bobby and Todd. They, they ride 
sorry. Yeah, they write. They write. But Tim and Charlie, maybe, probably, they each rode 135 miles in the event, and I'm willing to bet that maybe their combined total training miles did not make 135. Like, it was I probably close. I tell you, my combined training miles total was about 65 miles. Yeah. Yeah, so you, so you, <laughs> that so was not pretty. not even quite half, you know, that's probably had on. Or did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, was, I was getting close. Well, but the fact that we're even discussing it as a possibility indicates that maybe. And I felt a little bad about that because I, when we first started, I had hyped up that I did 180 last year and I didn't really train and it should be fine. And then later, I was like, oh, maybe that was a mistake because I made it sound like it was kind of easy. Oh boy! Oh boy! But they did it. Yeah, they did. They did good. They sure did. I mean, think about that. It's a good point about the organization and about the cause because there's no way on God's green earth that you would have done that if it wasn't no, for the cause. No way. I mean, you wouldn't even think about it. It's awesome. So with that, I mean, next year or maybe a year later, Monty, will you do it again? <laughs> <laughs> We're going around the room on this. We have well, to polish you, up my fundraising here's skills. A, here's a thought. You could do a shorter distance and try to go really fast. Yeah. You could. Can I race somebody? Me. You can race me oh, yes. and win. You can. No, I can. win. The race will be more of a can I can I half your time? <laughs> can you do half as fast as I can? We'll see. Or we'll twice as fast. We'll see. Hopefully, we, we get the, a team we together. The most best looking bike kits out there. We'll have to make another one. For awesome. We did have really great kits. We could probably keep them the same and, and just change the sponsors. Whatever we get. Yeah, and we should give a shout out to all of our sponsors. There are yeah. 14 yes. of them. I can't really list them all by name right now. GI Associates is one of them. They sponsor this podcast. Um, but there's a lot of Patrick Weldon, Next Step Innovation. Next Step Innovation. Um, Brandon Nursing and Rehab, uh, Home Care Hospice. Yeah, Matt Freeland, Matthews, Cotrere, Lindsay. Ergon. Pig and Pine, yeah. Mudbugs. Um, Bella and Harry, the adventures of Bella and Harry. Um, whoever we forgot, sorry. super sorry, but thank you. That because it was really through our sponsors that we were able to raise the a, a big <laughs> chunk of the money. And then thanks to everybody that donated. You know, these kind of events when you fundraise, people need to understand that even a five dollar donation for us. Like, if I get a $5 or $100 donation, it really means the same to me because mm -hmm. it's, it comes from whatever's available from the, the people that are donating it. It's just as meaningful if you donate 5 as 100 or yeah, 500 Yeah, I agree. You know, Every I'm, dollar adds up. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just the action of it. Those people went out of their way to say, all right, I'm going to give some of my hard-earned money on behalf yeah. of these people to this organization because they said it's a good organization. So we appreciate that a lot, but... And well, it's kind of a high standard because you're asking people to donate your, their money, their hard-earned money, and you're saying, look, you're donating it because I'm telling you that I really believe in this organization, yeah. which is probably a good point to say how Pelotonia does 100% um, of their funds is they have corporations in Columbus that all pitch in to cover their overhead costs. So I think we had some people say, like, how does this really 100% of funds go to, um, to the research, cancer research, and it's because other... A large companies pitch in and pay all their overhead. Yep. So it's when we say 100%, unique. we really mean 100%. And that's why it's a unique organization because there's not a lot of yeah. businesses that, or organizations that can operate that way. But 
we are nearing a half an hour or an hour and a half, so we should probably wrap this up. Um, again, thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to you guys and gals. Thanks. And we should, we've should we never mentioned Kevin. We should give a shout-out to Kevin. Uh, yes. Kevin Williamson was our virtual rider. He rode 35 miles here yeah. in Mississippi. Which, by himself. By himself, which was probably a lot for Kevin. He doesn't ride a lot either. Um, but uh, Kevin did win the award for most comical post asking for donations. He though. was pretty funny. funny with his post. Yes. Yeah, so, Kevin, you win, you win that award. Thanks, Kev. But, um, all right, thanks for watching, everybody, on... Uh, on Facebook, and uh, that's it. So I uh, hope you enjoyed the Post Palatania podcast. Thanks for listening to the Relentless Ford podcast and the Leprechaun Runner podcast with Charlie. Thank you. And uh, we're going to sign off, so got to run. <laughs>